0: They told me when uh, they were doing the sound check that they had a band jam, a little thing. I don't know if I've ever come up to a band jam, but I kind of like it. I think I, I like it. Um, good morning. It is a privilege to be here. I'm honored. I'm thrilled. I have to express before I get started my gratitude for the hospitality that I've received. I have enjoyed my time immensely already. We had a good time yesterday working through this text a little bit. So for some of you, you're going to hear some things again that we talked about yesterday. But thank you for the hospitality. It's been, it's been a blessing. I also want to thank you for sending a mission team to Salt Lake. I'm a church planter in Utah. I saw that picture and I realized that church planting has taken a toll on the color of my hair. But that's okay. Um, wow. Anyway... Thank you for sending mission teams. They've come up a couple times, your high school teams. They have helped us in this massive goal to spread the gospel throughout our community. And we started by saying we want to let this community know there's a church and know that there is a gospel message available. And so they've been a part of helping us to put out 100,000 door hangers. On one side, say, we're praying for you. On the other side, have a, a gospel message. They've literally stood in front of a home Prayed for that home specifically, sometimes knocked on that door, said, How can we pray for you? Here's an opportunity for individuals who've never heard the biblical gospel before to see the gospel. And they have helped us with that. And now we're in a season where we are transitioning a little bit to go from just letting people know there's a church in the community to now letting them know that the gospel is a real message of hope, that there are answers, there's things to work through. And so, um, They've been a, a really big part of that and they will continue to be a part of that this year. We're excited. So thank you for sending a mission team and supporting them and praying for them and praying for us. That is a huge blessing for us. And then finally, Pastor Brian, thank you for sharing this pulpit with me or allowing me to step into this responsibility to open God's word. I know that's a big responsibility. I don't take that lightly. And so uh, I appreciate you for giving me the opportunity. It's an honor. and. And I'm blessed. So now let's open to God's word together. I think he lets you know that we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you've been making your way there, you want to put your eyes on what I'm going to be reading, that's where I will be. And I'd just like to start by reading this text that I would say is kind of the, the missionary favorite. Maybe not always, but many missionaries like this one, or there's this other one in Isaiah, missionaries like. But, but this seems to be the church planting text. And in this text, as we're, we're coming into where we're going to start reading, Paul, you know, the church planter's hero, uh, has sent a letter to the church in Corinth, and he's just come through this idea of this is the gospel, this is the magnitude of, of what Jesus has done for us and what we can live in and what we can rest in, and, and it's just... it. it It influences us, it motivates us, and it informs his ministry, and it should inform how the Corinthians live. And that's what he's just been talking about. And then we come to this text in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm gonna read from verse 16 through the end of the chapter, 21. We could probably expand this quite a bit, but I was told there's a timeline. So we're just gonna zero in right here. God's word says, "'From now on, therefore, "'we regard no one according to the flesh.'" might become the righteousness of god this is god's word and i have to confess that i think i have inappropriately at times in my life used this word to try to encourage the people in the church where i pastor and and maybe others to be missionaries or a better word from the text is to be ambassadors because i've i've read this text to them and then i've said Look, you're a new creation, now you're an ambassador, so now you need to get on out there and make more ambassadors. And on the one hand, that kind of sounds right, right? And so that should implore us, it should compel us, get out there and make ambassadors. And then I watched as nothing happened. I went, what gives? God's word says we're ambassadors, we represent the very creator of the universe the king of kings and the lord of lords and we have all of his power in us and we can go and we can serve him and represent him and we can share his gospel and nobody's doing it Hmm, that's weird what are we so afraid of and i was just feeling kind of down i thought this is never gonna this is never gonna get the kingdom to advance out into salt lake if we can't just get on out there and go do it what am I doing wrong? I mean, God's word seems so clear here, right? And I was just, I was wrestling with this. I don't know what it's, I don't know what it's like here, but for me, watching our church not get out there and share the gospel, it was like, man, I, I'm discouraged. We're missing something. But then uh, God in his grace kind of pointed me to uh, a research by the Barna Group. They they research. Christian activities in churches there's a big research company and in March of 2018 they published a report that said and I'll just I want to make sure I get it right so I'm going to read it from my card here it says 51 percent of churchgoers or those who identify self-identify as Christians 51 percent of churchgoers do not know what the Great Commission is so I went and I looked at the research when asked, hey, what's the Great Commission? Not like they didn't know what verse it was. They couldn't even tell you what it was. It's a mystery to them. 51% of people who identify as Christians, that's over half of churchgoers in America didn't have any idea what the Great Commission was. And then it, get, it, it gets funnier but sadder because of those 51%, they showed them five verses. And I've read the verses. I looked at the research. And they said, Uh, could you, when you look at these five verses, identify the great commission? And they've got Matthew, the verses from Matthew 28 in there. They've got some other verses that are totally unrelated. I mean, if you know what the definition of commission even means, you can kind of guess this. And by the way, mathematically, you have a 20% chance of pointing blind and getting it right. Like, close your eyes a point, 20% chance of getting it right. But if you even just read it a little bit, you could figure it out. And still, of those 51%, only 37% of them could figure it out and get it right. Which, on the one hand, you're like, that's kind of a sad statement, but then it's actually a tragic statement when you realize that we're supposed to be ambassadors for God. And so we, we hear this, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, maybe I'm not alone. Like, maybe our church is not the only one struggling to get out there and share the gospel in some way. This is all kind of about the time the research was coming out last year when I was wrestling with this. And then, then another report came out. This one was May 15th, 2018. And in this report, the same group, the Barner Group said, 19% of professing evangelicals, Okay, an evangelical Christian is one who believes that we're supposed to do evangelism. That's, it's cooked into the title of professing evangelicals in America are looking for opportunities to share the gospel. Okay, on the one hand, we should celebrate that. Wow, it's 19% of the Christians are actually actively looking for an opportunity in their life at some point to share the gospel, right? 19% are actually looking at a map on the wall where you put a ping pong ball. I saw that thing you guys got out there. Like they're actively thinking, I want to write a name on a ball and put it in this map. Like I want to actively look for opportunities to share the gospel. And then it dawned on me, That's not a, that's not, I mean, yeah, I'll celebrate the 19%, but that means all the rest of them aren't looking for an opportunity to be an ambassador, to proclaim the gospel, to engage in the Great Commission. Wow. Now I'm not just sad for my church when I'm reading this. I'm sad for the church in America. Now, I don't know if this includes you guys. I really, I I don't. But I think it would be helpful right now if, I'm just going to take a little sidebar for just a moment. If right now you're sitting there in, the, in your seat and you are feeling guilty because you might not be out there actively looking for an opportunity to share the gospel or you're feeling guilty because you uh, maybe you're struggling with even thinking about the Great Commission, please don't go share whatever it is that you think the gospel is out of guilt. Because Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So if you are going out to share the gospel because you think somehow God is not happy with you and doing that will make him happy with you, or you're feeling some kind of guilt, don't share. Don't do it. I don't know what it is you're going to be sharing, but that's not the gospel. Because in the gospel where Christ has saved us and redeemed us and given his rest and said, enter into my joy, we get to join Jesus where he is and we get to find our joy in that. So if sharing the gospel isn't bringing you joy, then maybe there's some work to do there. Because in the Great Commission, we often forget the last part of it. You know, maybe you remember the Great Commission. You know, Go, therefore, now, make disciples and into all the world, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Many of you, like me, maybe memorize that in the King James. and then you're, I'm trying to translate out of the King James into another translation in my memory verse. But then it goes on, and it says, Thus, or lo, depending on, or maybe none of that, depending on your translation, Behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Do you realize when he says go, in essence, he's really saying, come with me in my Luke 19, 10 task to seek and save the lost. You want to hang out with me? You want to join me in this work because it's fun? You want to spend some time with Jesus? Let's do this thing together. That's really what Jesus is saying in that. And so it should be fun, not guilt-driven. So enough of my little side tangent here. If you are feeling guilt, please do not feel guilt. Please do not go out and feel like you have to go share the gospel instead maybe there's some conviction the holy spirit's moving like come join me in this okay so that was really helpful for me when i started kind of processing but then i went well now wait a minute what about the text we just read we're ambassadors go make ambassadors so i set myself to dig down into this i'm going to drill down into what was going on in the epistles, what was Paul doing? And so I, I came back to this text over and over and over again. And I want to show you a couple observations that I found. Maybe they'll be helpful for you. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just slow. You got there a long time before me and I'm, you're like, we'll just humor this guy and hear him out. But here's, here's what I noticed. Two, two big observations from the text. If you want to look back down at your text, um, the message in the text is not go make Ambassadors. God inspiring Paul actually gave us the message. He told us, "Go preach this." And what it says when you look down into um, when you look down into verse twenty it says, "Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled." The message is to tell people to be reconciled not to be an ambassador. The message is not to go tell them to do something, not to, not to have some task. The message is be reconciled to God. And then this text shows us that when we are reconciled to God, we become the ambassador. So we become the ambassador because of something God has already done in that reconciliation. So that caused me to go back up and go, what is this really about? And as I did that, I discovered that the word reconciliation, you just skim through it. You'll see it over and over and over again, that little passage of text we just read. Be reconciled, be reconciled, be reconciled. You have a ministry of reconciliation. God is reconciling us together. Reconciliation, reconciliation, be reconciled. So I back up from this and I think about it for a minute. What do I understand about reconciliation? Well, the world's understanding of reconciliation goes a little bit like this. The world world says... uh, Like, I'll give you an example. If you know somebody who has um, had a marital crisis, husband moves out, wife moves out, something like this, we say when the person moves back in, oh, good, their marriage is being reconciled. Okay, and that's kind of the, I mean, we're excited about that, but that's kind of the worldly view of reconciliation because we know that they have a long road ahead of them right? They're under the same roof. That might not be the definition. God's view of reconciliation throughout really all of the Bible is really that God would make his enemies his friends. We read about that in Romans. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we're still his enemies, he reconciled or brought us back into his house as friends. But it goes beyond that in this text, because then, Because we are reconciled, we are a new creation. says, if you go back up to verse 17, we are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And that is what makes us an ambassador now. An ambassador is the very representation with the authority of God. So being reconciled doesn't just mean we're under the same roof with God and we have a long way to go. It means that we are the very example of what it means to come back in to be redeemed, to be his child. An example that he says, now that you are indeed reconciled, I'm sending you out to show the rest of the world through you what that looks like and to call them to have the same. We become the very example of reconciliation. So to take that back to the marriage illustration, reconciliation in this way would be like this. Hey, the couple were divorced and they were enemies for a time or they were separated and they were enemies for a time and and divorce was looming maybe. But when they came back together, they now became the very best example to the world of what a healthy marriage looks like. But in God's example for this, he did all the work. He did all of that so that we could show others what it looks like to become a friend of God. Now, that's the first observation. Now, here's the second observation. The second observation that I ran into Again, maybe I'm a little slow. It took me a while to come to this conclusion. Maybe you're way out ahead of me on this one you're like, "Yeah, duh. I figured that out 20 minutes ago. But God was writing to the church in Corinth. God was writing this message to Christians, still calling them to be reconciled, because we need to be reconciled daily constantly the same message applies the very message of the gospel is to be reconciled back to god every time we believe some lie we walk in some sin and we walk far from god it's a constant call to be near god to be with god to be redeemed by the blood of jesus and the work that he did on the cross every day for me every hour or more constantly be reconciled And that got me to thinking that the gospel, which I was telling the church, Redeeming Life Church, was about seeing lost people come into the kingdom, wasn't really so much for lost people as it was for found people. The gospel is for Christians, and in fact, when a lost person is reconciled for the first time, they're joining in to the kingdom of God and therefore that gospel was for them too. The gospel is for us. It's not just to bring people into the fold, it's for us. And so when this call to be reconciled is going out to Christians, it's because it is for Christians. The gospel is the message for us. And so I am start working through this. What does that mean? As I'm saying go out and be an ambassador, what does that really mean? It means first and foremost, be reconciled. My charge From the text to you today, it's not be an ambassador, although that's a byproduct. It's be reconciled. And by the way, if you're in this room and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that's still my charge to you. Be reconciled. You're an enemy of God and God is calling you to be in his family and be his friend. Be reconciled. And then for the rest of us, we need to see that the gospel applies to us. And so... As I was pushing Redeeming Life to get on out there and share the gospel with unbelievers, people who didn't know Jesus, I realized they're never gonna have a conversation with a lost person about the gospel who might even be hostile, might not believe this is the word of God, might not be willing to hear about God if they don't even know how to have a conversation about the gospel to their brothers and sisters. You guys in here, the people to your right and your left, do you, do you know how to talk about the gospel to each other? Because if we all need to be reconciled constantly, then we need to be proclaiming this message to our brothers and sisters in the church, the home team, the ones who are gonna be more open and receptive to hear this. So they're never gonna to talk to the lost people if they don't have a conversation with found people about the gospel. I thought, well, wow, that's pretty cool, that's helpful. And then I realized they're never gonna to talk to the church about how the gospel will call our brothers and sisters back into reconciliation in the blood of Christ and the family of God if they don't know even how to do that for themselves. If we have no idea how we are going to be reconciled, how in the world can we charge someone else to be reconciled and be the an example of reconciliation in the home team? And then even more so, we're never going to be able to share that to the, to the world outside of the home team. And so we have these three conversations. We've, we've learned, okay, we've got to preach the gospel to ourselves and be reconciled first. That's what's going to make us this ambassador, give us the credibility of the message. Then we need to take that into our church family, to our brothers and sisters, to see health, to see growth, to see those who are struggling in some way be brought back in. And then the natural byproduct will be that people will be asking of us about the hope that is in us simply because they're seeing a redeemed people. We will actually be the ambassadors that this text says we are because indeed we are reconciled. So now here's the the big question that comes up. And this is where I get to almost (laughs) leave you guys to work through this for the next semester or more. How in the world do I preach the gospel to myself, to my brothers and sisters, and then have it become a natural byproduct to the lost world? How do I do that? Yeah, good question. We're still working through some of that. But let me give you some ideas we've come to. We've actually uh, here yesterday talked about this some. So some of the people here talking about that. I understand that your, um, your, uh, I think you call them foothills groups might be looking at this and especially the D groups. So just a little plug for D groups my brother over here is trying to get people into d groups right so so i think they're going to work on that there too so there's another opportunity but here's what here's what we talked about yesterday we're going to talk about this afternoon here's what we've been talking about at redeeming life and that is that that we need a tool we need some way to really grasp the gospel and so we grabbed one there's lots of tools you can use to share the gospel there's gospel sharing tools out there like crazy but we grabbed one that i thought was simple and and easy and i understand you've had its creator here to talk about it here we grabbed the three circles gospel sharing tool the life on mission tool and uh and we said okay we want to start to understand this but we want to start with prayer if we're going to really understand how to preach the gospel if we're going to understand how to really grasp god's word we need to start with prayer and so i have found a very helpful psalm Uh, we prayed it this morning actually before we started in that prayer time. We prayed it yesterday. I'm going to show you what I've turned sort of into a personal prayer for me in this regard. Maybe it'll be helpful for you in Psalm 51, verses 12 and 13. I think of it, yeah, it's up on the screen. Uh, listen to this. There's this picture of sort of being restored, about being redeemed, about being forgiven, and at the end of that little section as it moves into the next section about proclaiming, this is the bridge. Verse 12 says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Okay? restore this joy i know it i haven't lost my salvation but i've maybe lost the joy of it restore the joy of salvation and uphold me with the willing spirit then i will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you because you first are restored and have that joy then you'll be able to proclaim it with ease without fear without consent it'd just be a natural byproduct as you are naturally an ambassador so that should be our prayer lord restore me to the joy of the salvation that you have given me and then i will proclaim it to the world and so we start with that prayer and then we take that simple gospel sharing tool and we actually figure out how it applies to us even as christians not just to come in but to work it every day. So in that simple tool, I'm just gonna give you a super short snapshot and then I would encourage, like I said, jump into one of those groups or get involved in that way. But in the simple tool, you have a three circles. One circle says we are in God's design. And there's a lot there, creation, what God has for us, the kingdom ethic, things of this nature. And then because of sin or because we believed a lie, even as Christians, because we've not in some way trusted God, we end up out of God's design and into the next circle, which is brokenness. And in brokenness, we feel a sense of pain or problem. We know something's not right, and we want to mitigate that pain. And so, to, even as Christians, to mitigate the pain, we do things that the Bible says are not the right things. We turn to all sorts of things: drugs, alcohol, gossip, lying, cheating, stealing, any other kind of thing, just because we believe some lie about ourselves or about the situation. We want to mitigate the pain, and. We go out on these dead-end roads, and on a dead-end road, you walk out, you get to the end, it doesn't take you anywhere, you gotta turn around, you end up right back where you started, which is still in brokenness. But in this really, really simple tool, there's a one line that comes down through the path of the gospel, through God's word, through His design for us, His encouragement, His reconciliation to us. This is if we to just hear from the Lord and follow Him, or trust and obey Him instead of the ways we tried to go out. But His way, through the path of the gospel, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, through this reconciliation message, this rescue plan that God has for us, and trust in that and walk in that, God brings us back into God's design. And that's the Christian journey every day, isn't it? That we're just making this journey, and we're getting more skilled. We're getting better and better at this journey, and I think that's actually what matures us. I see some brothers and sisters in here with a little snow on the roof. And uh, Oh, you guys don't know what snow is. This is Arizona, but got a white roof up there. I'm getting there. i will joining you through this process. I think every time we sort of make those laps, we're learning these lessons, right? So you just make this... This lab, And it seems like the, the, the mature brothers and sisters in Christ who've done this for a long time begin to recognize this journey and they become quicker and quicker and quicker out of brokenness. Not always. I mean, some of these saints are a little slower than others, but some are not. And I would encourage it. You see that journey they've taken. That's the Christian journey. And what happens, maybe the person that led us to Christ, the person that led me to Christ, maybe because they had been reconciled and they saw this great thing, they understood how to share that with me. And they understood how to share that with you. But as we just read in the text, our reconciliation needs to be regularly happening. We first need to be restored. And so the answer there and that is that we would preach the gospel to ourselves. And if you're wanting to be one of the, People who writes a name on a ping pong ball and shares the gospel with somebody else, it starts with prayer that your joy will be restored. It starts with you preaching the gospel to yourself and seeing yourself restored and redeemed, and then from there it goes to preaching the gospel to your brothers and sisters, and then by the natural extension of that joy, it spills out into the community. So I want you to imagine for a moment what that might look like in your workplace, in your neighborhoods in the gym where you work out. I don't know what that's like, I haven't worked out in like 50 years, but where you go, if the people around you were able to see through you, as an ambassador, God's gospel, his message of reconciliation, and actually be made friends of God from wherever they're at, imagine the impact that might have in the community, in your church, in your home, if this was a very natural, regular routine of our life, preaching the gospel to ourselves, and then letting that actually spill over into the rest of the community. This is what we're working on, and I understand this is what you guys are maybe gonna start working on, this idea of preaching the gospel to yourself for the next semester and beyond. So I wanna encourage, I'm just barely able to scratch the surface from this, I've been working on this for a year in my mind, meditating and thinking on it, and how how do I do this better? How do I do this in my family? How do I do this in the church? I would like to challenge you, maybe it's not my place, I'm not your pastor, but as a brother in Christ, I would like to challenge you to be reconciled to God. Every day, preach the gospel to yourself, and then I hope that the overflow of what's happening in your heart will spill out into all of Phoenix. If I may, I'd like to pray for you and just ask that God might do this thing for you and then I'll uh, you know, we'll hand this back over and we'll worship some more. I hope you'll join me this afternoon if you've signed up for that to be a part. We're gonna talk about that some. So if I may, I just would like to pray over this church. Lord, thank you for Foothills Baptist Church being here. There's a light in this place. God, it's my request that you would redeem all those who are far from you in this room every day that you would restore the joy of our salvation, those who are resting in Christ and trusting in you, that you would just restore that, and then out of that joy, out of the overflow of that joy, you would bring the people that we work with and the people that we know and the people that we love around us who don't know you into that same joy. God, it's a challenging thing, but it's my prayer, Lord, that over the next few months you would do an amazing thing through your redeemed, restored ambassadors in this church. And God, for some in here, we might just need to experience that fresh like we haven't in in a long time. For others who are regularly in this rhythm, may they help to encourage their brothers and sisters to the right and the left. But God, above all, may our restoration to you bring you glory and honor. Lord, to make you famous in this place. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.